Luke 8, chapter 8, verses 4 to 18. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. And uh, now we're all a jumble of emotions, and uh, that's okay. Lord, we come to you this morning and thank you for uh, how you work and how you lead us and guide us in life. And we trust you. Lord, we thank you for the recovery that Matt is going through right now. We thank you that he's able to be home this weekend. And we just pray for your continued hand of healing on him. Lord, we too uh, pray for our friend Tim. Um, Lord, as his family has been gathering this week to just be with him and see the joy in the in his face as he has posted pictures of him with his grandkids. And we ask that you would just undertake for the family and be close to them. And thank you so much for them. Thank you for Tim's um, constant pointing to Jesus, regardless of the circumstances he's in. 
And Lord, we thank you for his witness. We thank you for his life. We ask that you would continue to undertake for Tim and Natalie and the rest of their family whatever journey they have at this point. Lord, we think too of our world situation and the last few days in Israel, Palestine, and the escalation that is happening there. We think of Ukraine and the ongoing conflict and battle and struggles and places like Sudan and Mali and Haiti. Oh Lord, there are so many places in just utter chaos and conflict and we can easily forget that our world is in travail. That there is an uncreation that happens when sin is allowed free reign. And so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, how we need your rule and reign to be manifest in this world. And so with the Apostle John, as he wraps up his revelation, he says, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus, we need you. Lord, as we turn to your word now, the heart of Psalm 119, we pray this, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Amen. Well, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Time to celebrate the fruitful harvest. And from some of the pictures I've seen, some of you are good gardeners. I should just get Owen up here because he did my irrigation blowout and he could tell you what my garden looked like. Not so fruitful. Well, there was one zucchini about this big. It was a big zucchini, right? But other than that, it was mostly weeds and grass. This year, it wasn't so fruitful. Apples, on the other hand, I can grow apples because all you do is let the tree do its thing, right? And then you start picking stuff. That's the kind of gardening I think I'm cut out for. But Thanksgiving is this reward for patient care of your garden or not. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes patience, routine care through the months of seeming fruitlessness. And as we look at the parable of the sower this morning, I want you to think, that, think about this. Fruitful ministry often appears futile at first. Fruitful ministry often appears futile at first. But just wait. Just wait. One of the things Rob alluded to uh, in, in his, his address here was that 
you know, this, this transition that we're now facing is, is he said, I can, I can see how this relates to our vision. And one of the things that's central to our vision for the next five years is the increasing of our leadership capacity as a church, that we would grow strong leaders for the church. Now, one of the implications of that or one of the results of that is that sometimes we've got to let those leaders go. We've got to send them out. That when we reap a harvest of leadership, it's going to mean blessing for the church, not just this church, but the church as a whole. And, and I think we can see that in, in how God has been e even working in, in Ben's life from, from being a youth pastor to now training youth pastors, right? Mission continues and it expands and it grows and we see greater fruit. And sometimes that's how it goes. Jesus in Luke chapter 18, or chapter 8 here, is getting his leadership team ready, really, to expand the ministry beyond just what he can do. In, in, a, in a little bit, he's going to send out the 12, and then he's going to send out the 72. And this parable that he explains, it's the only parable that gets an explanation, so that's kind of handy, right? It's not, I don't got to make anything up here about what this parable may or may not mean. There's no real you know, interpretive gymnastics we have to do like you do with a lot of the other parables. Here Jesus gives it to us pretty straight up, and that's great. One of the things we often overlook in this passage, though, is the last three verses. And sometimes we go, I don't see how those relate. <laughs> what... Like, and, you know, you, you get some Bible scholars who are like, yeah, Luke was just collecting a bunch of things and he didn't know where to throw these three verses, so he threw them here. Uh, well, I think he was a little smarter than that. So we're going to look mainly at those last three verses. Jesus is urging his disciples to pay close attention to what he's going to be doing and saying. If you have the English Standard Version, there's, I think, about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine occurrences of hear. To hear is very important in this passage. It's a central thing. Jesus is saying, pay very close attention to what I'm going to both say and what I'm going to do. So that's the first thing I want us to look at. Jesus is urging his disciples to pay close attention. Second thing, Jesus is preparing the disciples for their approaching ministry because they're going to need to learn patience and perseverance. So last week we looked at, you know, just the beginning of chapter 8, and chapter 8 all the way to chapter 9 of verse 20 is kind of one whole section. It starts with an introduction of three women and others who uh, traveled with Jesus, were disciples of Jesus, supplied him out of their own means. And then we get this parable, and then we get this scene that's interesting where Jesus' family comes to him, and they want to see him. That's all Luke tells us. Mark tells us they're there to take control of him because they think he's lost his mind. He's not eating, not sleeping well, and they're going, let's bring the guy home. He's obviously, something's wrong. And Jesus has this moment, and it actually kind of concludes this passage because the word's here, the word here again, and the implications of the, the parable of the sower come out at the end of this. 
So in chapter eight, verse 19 to 21, then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. And so this is what the whole parable of the soils is about. Those who hear the word of God and do it. Hearing and living it out. Notice how many times the word hearing happens and hearing is not the defining characteristic of a disciple. Hearing the gospel isn't good enough. Every group hears it. They all hear the word. One has no chance to respond because Satan overwhelms them and steals away the word so they cannot believe and be saved. Then there's those who hear the word and receive it with great joy, but there's no root. And in the time of testing, they fall away. So this group, one life, like they're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm responding to this. I'm, I'm gonna attend church. And then life gets hard. And they bail out. It's like, oh, well, that didn't work. On to the next thing. You know, if life's hard, then God isn't good. <laughs> In tough times, they fall away. When, when things don't go their way, when life doesn't work out or it doesn't meet your expectations, when God doesn't come through the way you thought he should, when God didn't serve your needs according to your definition, the time of testing, they fall away. So when life is bad, there's a group that falls away. There's another group, the next verse. They're choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. When life is going great, when everything's on track, when we've got the, you know, we've got finances and our family's doing well and our job is enjoyable and all this stuff, when life is easy, the gospel is choked. Interesting contrast that Jesus is making here. Their fruit does not mature. Because they're having such a great time living life and they can handle it. They don't really, you know, I've got God in my life, that's great. But you know, I got it. <laughs> Things are under control. As for those that are the good soil, they are the ones who hear the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now often we miss the last two words of that. <laughs> they bear fruit with patience. It's holding it fast. And I think when Jesus talks about who are my mother and brothers, this, this is the summary, this is it. Hearing it isn't enough. It's the obedient life that flows out of hearing the word. You know, the kid's song, I was tempted to do it, but then I was going to have to correct it. You know, read your Bible, pray every day, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Nope. Read, how, let's just change it to read your Bible, obey every day. Read your Bible, obey every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Right? Hearing the word isn't enough. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, yes. But hearing requires obedience. 
And the, the, the Greek and the Hebrew words for this uh, hearing imply not just auditory reception, not just a one-way, you say it, I hear it, done, you know, you're done. It's hearing it so that it becomes part of your heart and life and that you live out of that. That's what hearing means. That's what real hearing, the hearing that can save, the, the hearing that in times of testing, you can maintain your joy. It's the hearing when in times of, of uh, prosperity, the fruit of the gospel can mature in our lives and bear much fruit. Hearing the word, holding it fast in an honest and good heart and bearing fruit with patience. Everyone hears in this passage. One group has no chance to respond because Satan overwhelms them and we have a real enemy who does not want people to respond to the gospel. Two respond somewhat joy for a time, but the challenges of life, the temptations of the good life now suck the life out of their faith. But then there's those who are hearing and they define their lifestyle of discipleship by the word that they've heard. And then there's these three verses at the end. What did these have to do with what Jesus just said? What does this have to do with the parable? No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar and puts it under a bed, but puts it on its stand so that he, those who enter may see the light. And Jesus is saying here, it's go time, guys. I am the light of the world. I am the lamp that is shining. Uh, the, the word is going out and people are going to see it. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known come to light. And when you, when you plant seeds, you don't know what's coming up for a while, right? Well, you, you're supposed to. You, you kind of know what it's supposed to look like, right? Like, that doesn't look like the seed I planted, so it's probably weed, got to weed the garden and stuff like that. But you have to wait for that to come out. Jesus is saying there's patience that needs to be involved when, we're, when he and when he's going to send them out to proclaim the word, he's saying you're going to have to be patient. Because growth takes time and fruitfulness take time, takes time. Fruitful ministry often appears futile at first. So in the first church that I worked at, I was only there for a year. It was the youth and worship pastor and uh, quickly discovered youth's not really greatly my thing. But at the same time, about six or eight years later, I can't remember how long it was. It was quite a, quite a time later. I was at a, 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 a little conference that our denomination had put on for, for worship teams and, and, uh, and ministry leaders and a whole group of Filipino young adults came up to me and said, hey, Pastor Doug, so glad to see you again. It had been like five or six years, but here's these kids that were in youth group when I was there for a year. They're now at a ministry conference because they're now serving in their church. You know, the seeds get scattered and you don't know what's gonna grow out of that sometimes. And some of our kids here, you don't know where they're gonna go. And Ben, 10 years of youth ministry, you don't know the fruit that could possibly come out of that as we sow into kids' lives. How many kids go to camp every year and how many seeds are planted 
Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. Be patient. The harvest is coming. There will always be a harvest because God's word does not return void. It accomplishes that which it is set out to do. Fruitful ministry can often appear futile and sometimes frustrating at first. But be patient. And then Jesus ends with this. And in the translation that Jen read, there's a therefore, so it's like it all comes down to this. Take care then how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has, will be, it will be taken away. This is about perseverance. Holding it fast in an honest and good heart. Hearing the word, holding fast to it with an honest and good heart. Perseverance, patience. And it will bear fruit out of that patience. Holding it fast. Because God's kingdom work and message in Christ will be revealed, will be displayed, will be made known, so keep a careful watch on it. And what we'll see in the next number of weeks as we go through Luke chapter 8, which is one of the longest chapters, is that we'll see Jesus in all his power, in his glory, in his majesty, as he speaks calm to a storm, as he raises the dead, as he removes impurity, and as he exercises power over the demonic. There will be fruit, but it takes some time. Jesus is preparing his disciples for a mission. As he's getting ready to send out the 12 and then the 72, and eventually when he stands and he says, you will be my witnesses to Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus is saying, you have a mission. You have a message of my grace and my goodness and my power. And I'm going to give you the power to do that when the Holy Spirit comes. But in the midst of that, you're going to need to be patient. You're going to need endurance because some seeds are going to take time to germinate and grow. Some seeds are never going to grow. But that's not your problem. Right? The, the, the sower doesn't get chastised for being silly about where he was scattering the seed here. You know, and... All sorts of stuff about, well, is this proper farming practices in the ancient Near East, whatever. We could guess all day, but the key thing here is that you just keep proclaiming the word. You keep scattering the seed, and God's going to bring the growth. So be patient and persevere in it. In our own hearts, hold fast to it with a good heart and bear fruit with patience. But as we are called to scatter the seed ourselves, know that some seeds are going to take time to germinate. Some, some seeds grow at a different rate, right? Like, I, I don't think most schools do like, hey, let's see if we can grow a pine tree out of a pine cone. Right? Like, what do they use in school? Beans. Why? You just throw them in a paper towel and boom, they sprout like within a week. 
What does a pine cone take to sprout? Fire. Fire. Right? For oh, the ground has to burn. For some people, they hear the gospel and it's like that bean seed. It's like, yeah, I'm going to grab it and I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to hold fast to it with an honest and good heart. And for some people, they got to go through some fire before that seed is going to sprout and grow and take root. There's all sorts of different responses to the gospel. And so we need to be patient. When Jesus sends out the 12 and the 72, he gives them power and he says, go and preach and proclaim the good news and if people welcome you, then stay there and enjoy your time with them. If they don't want to hear the message, move on. Because eventually, maybe there will be an opportunity. You know, all through the Gospel of Luke, we get the Pharisees who are absolutely against everything Jesus does but then you get into the book of Acts and they're like, oh, wait a minute. And we read of many from the Jewish leadership coming to faith in Christ. Sometimes it takes time. And it's encouraging too to remember that not even the preaching and the miraculous works of Jesus were decisive in changing people's hearts. Jesus didn't have a 100% conversion rate. Right? Sometimes it was a whole crowd of people and it was all sorts of different. Well, this guy's doing it by the power of Satan. There's people that wonder, there's, and we'll see this in, in, in a couple of weeks as Jesus heals a, a man from a demonic possession, sends the demons into the pigs, they rush into the thing, and the people from the city come out and here's this guy healed and whole and set free. And how do the people respond? Get out. Like, just leave. Leave us alone. Jesus spoke and he demonstrated his authority and power and he was rejected. So we need to be prepared for that too. You see, the fruitfulness isn't our responsibility. Just the faithfulness to live and to proclaim the word. The results are up to God. And sometimes the results come later. Even think of Jesus' own family in this next section. Jesus' mother and brothers came to him, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. And in John's gospel, it says that, you know, Jesus' brothers didn't even believe. And yet James would later become a key leader in the church and would even become an author in the New Testament letters. But he didn't believe yet. He grew up with the guy. Isn't that amazing? So many different responses to the gospel. But the lamp is lit. The light of the world shines. John's gospel says the light came into the world and the darkness could not overcome it. Matthew says, Jesus is talking to the disciples, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a bullock. So they put it on its stand so it gives light to everybody. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Shine for Jesus. 
The light will show what is really there. And then take care how you hear, how you live in obedience to what God has revealed. That's really our task. We can't prep the soil of people's hearts. We can only sow the seed. Let's do it well. And let's remember too that our own hearts need to hold fast to bear fruit with patience. Let's pray. Lord, so much more we could look at here, but just this simple thing that sometimes the ministry that you've called us to can seem frustrating and fruitless and yet your word always accomplishes your purposes and we are just called to be faithful. And so Lord, with whatever you have gifted us with and in, for you have, it, you have assigned us the gifts by your Holy Spirit. You've gifted us as a body for the purposes you have for us. And your gifts are varied and manifold and manifest in many different ways. You've gifted each of us differently. Be part of this body for your purposes. And so, Lord, may we just live that out faithfully and every day. Thank you, Lord, that as you set us free and as your word bears fruit in our hearts, you may call us to different things, you may change the assignment, and that's okay. We're just called to follow you. And so, Lord Jesus, as even as we now have to go into another transition time here in our leadership, we know that you are good and that your love endures forever, that you're building your church and nothing can stop the advance of your kingdom. And so, Lord, help us to hear your word, hear your voice, hear your spirit lead and guide us into this next season because you're good. Because you desire that none should perish but all should come to repentance. And because your word needs to go forth in many different ways through all of our lives. Lord, help us to be just a faithful sower in our conversations and our attitudes in our lives, how we respond at work, how we navigate home life, how we spend our uh, spare time even. All of our lives are yours, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much that you gave yourself for us. Thank you so much for your redeeming work. Thank you so much for the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live this out with patience. We can't do this without you. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Amen.